0: Colombia's first ever left-wing president, Gustavo Petro, took power on August 7th. And in response, the U.S. government made some very strange comments that can be seen as a threat. Specifically, Joe Biden, the U.S. president's top Latin America advisor, said 40 years ago, Washington would have organized a coup to overthrow the new Colombian president. Now, these comments were not made in English. They were made only in Spanish, so it got no coverage in the English language press. But it did raise some eyebrows in Latin America and got some coverage in mainstream Latin American outlets. This is a report in a mainstream right-wing Colombian media outlet called Caracol, Caracol News. And the, this includes a video from someone named Juan Sebastián González. Now, this is he's not to be confused with the good Juan González, who's the journalist in the U.S., Puerto Rican journalist who was involved in the Young Lords. He, he, he's the good Juan González. This is the bad Juan González. He, he is Juan Sebastián González, and he is the head of Western Hemispheric Affairs for the National Security Council under Biden. And this article in the Colombian outlet is titled Juan González, 40 years ago, the United States would have done everything possible to prevent the election of Petro. These are shockingly honest comments, and I think it really reflects this very strange tone the Biden administration is taking, where they're acting as though things have changed, but actually it's all the same. So let me let me translate the comments he made here because they are really shocking. So once again, this is Juan S. Gonzalez. He's the head of Western Hemisphere Affairs for the National Security Council in the Biden administration. So these, these are the comments he made in Spanish. I'm translating here. 40 years ago, the United States would have done everything possible to prevent the election of Gustavo Petro. And once in power, would have done almost everything possible to sabotage his government. (laughs) This, again, is Joe Biden's top Latin America advisor, saying that the U.S. would have done everything possible to prevent a left-wing president from coming to power in Colombia and done almost everything possible to sabotage his government. And then Juan Gonzalez continued in these, in these comments that he made, and he's saying, those were the policies of the Cold War that to a certain point today are for some people justification from a revisionist perspective to characterize the policy of the United States in the context of a local manifestation of an empire. So that's him criticizing anti-imperialists who referred to the United States as an empire. He's saying, look, we are not an empire. And he's saying, look, these policies have changed. The United States no longer engages in those policies. Of course, that's always what these liberals do. You know, Juan Gonzalez is a liberal, of course, obviously, he's a Democrat. He was also working for the State Department under Barack Obama, and then later worked for the National Security Council under Barack Obama. And when Joe Biden was vice president under Obama, Juan Gonzalez became his top Latin America advisor. But this guy was deeply involved in supporting the coup in Honduras in 2009, the soft coup against the left-wing workers party in Brazil in 2016. This guy has been involved in coups. This guy has been a supporter of the right-wing in the region. I should mention, that he himself was born in Colombia he's from a right-wing Colombian family so these are his comments acting as though okay we will acknowledge that the US empire has committed crimes decades ago but of course the US would never do that today although obviously if you are the new Colombian president Gustavo Petro and you hear these comments it's very clear that they're a threat this is a threat saying that we can still organize a coup to overthrow and sabotage your government. And he literally said sabotage Petro's government. Now, I think this is also funny because it's clearly an attempt by these liberals in the White House and in the State Department to to claim that we're not like Trump, we're doing something very different. Although I should mention that Juan González still recognizes Juan Guaidó, the Trump-appointed coup puppet, as fake leader of Venezuela despite the fact that Guaido has never won a single vote in a presidential election. What this reminded me of is a similar comment that was made by Joe Biden himself when he said that he doesn't see Latin America as the U.S. backyard. Instead, oh, we see Latin America as the U.S. front yard, as if that's somehow better So Trump calls it the backyard, Biden calls Latin America the front yard. It's just different flavors of neocolonialism. I reported on this at multipolarista.com. Here is the video of Biden referring to Latin America as the U.S. imperial front yard. Credit for this goes to friends of the show, Causacho News. We used to talk about when I was a kid in college about America's backyard. It's not America's backyard. everything south of the Mexican border is america's front yard is america's front yard so there you go that's joe biden acting as though calling latin america the front yard as opposed to the u.s backyard is somehow really different and i and i think of uh, juan gonzalez's comments very much in that in that vein now i want to talk very briefly about gustavo petro the new left-wing president of colombia for people who are interested in in more information about him I have multiple videos and podcasts interviewing people in Colombia discussing the elections when they were going on earlier this year and the good things and bad things about Petro. I mentioned he's the first ever left-wing president in the history of Colombia, which has always had a right-wing corrupt narco regime, which has basically been a U.S. colony with multiple U.S. military bases. So you have to start somewhere. And although I certainly have criticisms of Petro. He is the first independent leader of Colombia really in decades, if not ever. So that is an important step forward. His vice president, Francia Márquez, is from the Afro-Colombian community. She's a grassroots activist. She's a socialist, a leftist. So it's very interesting. I mean, he only entered office on August 7th. So it's still very much the beginning of his administration I talked about the many obstacles he's gonna face from the Colombian deep state, the security services, the military, the death squads and paramilitaries that are linked to the state and the right-wing oligarchs. So it's gonna be very hard for him. I do have to say though, that although I was pretty critical of Petro during his campaign, because he made so many ridiculous comments condemning Venezuela and Nicaragua, I have to, I have to be honest, He just in his first week, he has actually exceeded a lot of people's expectations. He's exceeded my expectations. In fact, there was a vote at the Organization of American States, which is basically a tool of the U.S. government, of the U.S. empire to to serve as U.S. imperial interests in the region. And, uh, you know, Fidel Castro, the Cuban leader, famously referred to the OAS as the Yankee Ministry of the Colonies. And they had a vote condemning Nicaragua, demonizing Nicaragua, with ridiculous lies, and that OAS vote, um, to, be, to be honest, what the, an impressive thing was that Colombia did not vote. So that's they, they were technically absent, but that was basically a form of abstention. And that was Petro's first ever OAS meeting. So I think that's a sign of, in the future, the Colombian government is going to have a better foreign policy. More non-aligned foreign policy, maybe not explicitly anti-imperialist, but at the very least, it's not going to follow orders from the U.S. empire. And even the the fake, uh, you know, center center-left centrist government in Chile of Gabriel Boric, the anarchist-turned-like pro-imperialist social democrat sellout. His government, of course, voted along with the U.S. empire and the right-wing regimes in the region to condemn Nicaragua. And even the centrist government in Argentina also did. But credit goes to Bolivia, El Salvador, Honduras, and Mexico, which all abstained and refused to condemn Nicaragua at the OAS, this meeting of this U.S. puppet organization. Now, there was also a report that the Venezuelan and Colombian governments are moving forward very quickly to re-establish formal diplomatic relations. Petro said immediately after he won the election that he was going to normalize relations with Venezuela. He had a phone call with Venezuela's real president, Nicolás Maduro, not with the U.S. puppet coup leader, Juan Guaidó. The former narco leader, the far-right narco uh, dictator of Colombia, uh, Álvaro Uribe, and his hand-picked successor, um, Iván Duque, both had strongly supported uh, the coup attempt in Venezuela, and uh, Duque broke off formal diplomatic relations, and Colombian uh, drug dealers worked with Juan Guaidó to try to to, to, to uh, successfully to cross the border illegally and bring Juan Guaidó into Colombia for the coup attempt, the US orchestrated coup attempt against Venezuela on February 23rd, 2019, and that failed. So. There's a report at um, EFE, which is a major Spanish news outlet about how the parliaments in Venezuela and Colombia are already coordinating to work on reestablishing relations. So, you know, Petro is he's fulfilling his promises. I was a little cautious, but he has been, you know, uh, pursuing an independent path of the U.S. empire. And there's one other thing that I want to talk about. It's very symbolic and important about Gustavo Petro's inauguration on August 7th and this is a very important symbolic action that he did that hasn't gotten coverage in English because it's not really understood but it got it got some attention in the Spanish language media and the Colombian right wing blew a gasket they were so angry about this now at the inauguration of Petro he did two things that that were very interesting and symbolic one he demanded that the sword of simon bolivar be taken to the inauguration now he had previously asked the the far-right president ivan Duque, the u.s puppet president who was in power until august 7th and Duque only came into power because he stole the 2018 elections by using drug money stealing the election by buying votes and this operation was revealed by the colombian attorneys attorney general and it this operation was overseen by the far-right Colombian narco-dictator Alvaro Uribe, who was the real po- power behind the throne of Duque. And he ordered uh, Uribe, the most powerful politician in Colombia, this right-wing drug lord, uh, close ally of the U.S., uh, Uribe ordered this Colombian millionaire and drug dealer named Niene Hernández, to buy votes with drug money. And that's how Duque came to power, stealing the election from Petro when he participated in the 2018 presidential election. Now, now when Duque was president, he refused to allow the sword of Simón Bolívar to be sent to the inauguration of Petro. Now, Bolívar, for people who don't know, is the revolutionary who overthrew the Spanish colonial regime in the 19th century and tried to unify Latin America in modern-day Colombia, Venezuela, Bolivia. In fact, Bolivia is named after Simón Bolívar. And when we talk about the Bolivarian movement, like the Bolivarian Revolution in Venezuela, it's a reference to Simón Bolívar and this attempt to unify Latin America. It's a form of very left-wing, revolutionary nationalism, anti-imperialism in Latin America to unify the region. And uh, Gustavo Petro, when he was young, he was part of a revolutionary socialist Bolivarian militia called the M19, that is the, the 19th of April movement, which was a Bolivarian socialist revolutionary anti-imperialist group, armed group, and they demilitarized in 1990. And they claimed to have having um, expropriated the sword of Simón Bolívar, from the right-wing Colombian narco regime, the puppet regime of the US. And of course, you know, it's disputed what is the real sort of Bolívar. Venezuela also claims to have a sort of Bolívar. But anyway, symbolically, uh, Petro ordered the, he asked Duque's government to send the sort of Bolívar, and they refused to do that because they're just a right-wing puppet regime of the US. So on inauguration day, because he officially had presidential authority, Petro ordered the government to bring the sword of Bolivar to his inauguration. Very symbolic. Something that he also did, which is also very symbolic, is when he was given the presidential sash, normally that is supposed to be done by the head of the parliament. But instead, uh, Petro asked a politician, a left-wing politician from his party named Maria Jose Pizarro to give him the presidential sash. Now, who is Maria Jose Pizarro? She's not only a member of the Pacto Histórico left-wing party of Petro. That's, if you're watching the video, if you're not listening to the podcast, you can see her, this is her giving him the presidential sash. She is the daughter of the former leader of the M19. That is the the socialist anti-imperialist armed movement that Gustavo Petro was part of. Her father was named carlos pizarro and he was the leader of m19 now what happened to carlos pizarro he was murdered by the colombian regime in 1990 back when it was a loyal u.s puppet regime and this was revealed by semana which is one of the major mainstream right-wing media outlets in colombia and this was published in 2010 and it's called The Assassinations and the DAS, the DAS. This article reveals that the Colombian intelligence agency, the Departamento Administrativo de Seguridad, the DAS, DAS, that two officials from this intelligence agency were involved in assassinating this Colombian leftist leader. The Colombian Inspector General's office, the, uh, this is a, an organ of the Colombian state. Admitted they investigated and they admitted that two top officials in this Colombian intelligence agency the DAS were involved in Carrying and orchestrating this assassination of Carlos Pizarro now people might say why is that a big deal? He was the leader of a revolutionary Socialist militia. Well, they assassinated him after he signed a peace treaty with the Colombian government. So Carlos Pizarro he was the leader of the m19 the 19th of april movement until 1990 what happened is they signed a peace agreement and they agreed to put down their arms they demilitarized this is the year when the sandinistas were defeated by the u.s terror campaign in nicaragua and el salvador the fmln socialist guerrillas were defeated as well Um, By this time, the Soviet Union was overthrown soon after. So this is a time of massive counter-revolution. So the M-19 socialist movement, they put down their weapons. And in 1990, they signed a peace agreement with the Colombian regime. And they became a legal political party. And in 1990, Carlos Pizarro was running for president as the leader of a legal political party. And the Colombian narco regime murdered him just a few weeks after he signed a peace treaty with the Colombian government. Now, this is exactly what also happened a few years ago. In 2016, former guerrillas from the FARC, the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, in 2016, they put down their weapons, they demilitarized, and they signed a peace agreement with the Colombian narco regime. And what happened? The US-backed Colombian narco regime systematically violated that agreement and has murdered hundreds of former FARC revolutionaries who put down their weapons and became, they demilitarized and became part of a legal political party, and hundreds of the signatories of that peace agreement have been murdered by paramilitary groups backed by the Colombian state and drug cartels backed by the Colombian state. So this is part of a long pattern of Colombian state terrorism. The Colombian attorney general's office did an investigation and admitted that thousands of innocent people, over 6,400 innocent people were murdered by the Colombian narco regime under the US-backed far-right dictator, Alvaro Uribe, who who carried out these horrible massacres, killing thousands of of people, leftists, labor organizers, innocent people they accused of being leftists, which is basically a crime in Colombia. Being a leftist basically means the, the state will kill you, or death squads, paramilitary groups and drug cartels backed by the Colombian state and oligarchy will kill you. So this revolutionary, Carlos Pizarro, he signed a peace agreement with the Colombian narco regime, and then a few weeks later, it murdered him. This has been admitted by mainstream Colombian media. It's been admitted by the inspector general's office of Colombia. And by the way, how did they kill him? They murdered him while he was in a plane 15,000 feet up in the air because Carlos Pizarro was running for president and obviously he knew that he was going to be threatened So he had a bunch of bodyguards So the Colombian intelligence agency the DAS they organized this campaign this Operation to assassinate him when he was on a plane way up in the air and they hid a a small um, submachine gun a micro submachine gun And then they got that on the plane and then they shot him 13 times in the head, the neck and the hands. So a horrible, gruesome murder of this Colombian leftist leader who after he signed a peace agreement with the Colombian regime. And once again, his daughter, Maria Jose Pizarro, she is a politician a legislator in Colombia, and she was asked by Petro, the daughter of the former leader of the M19 movement, she was asked to put on the presidential sash when he was inaugurated on August 7th. So that was a very symbolic action. I have to give uh, Petro credit. I was very critical of him, but it looks like he still has some of that revolutionary energy some of that revolutionary politics going back to his roots in the M19 movement. And we'll see how he governs, but it's worth pointing out that this intelligence agency, the DAS, was used by the Uribe regime in order to spy on his political rivals, including journalists, uh, judges, the courts, and human rights activists. So the Colombian state, the Colombian deep state is brutal, authoritarian, very violent, And they have a long history of assassinating people on the left, assassinating labor leaders and union organizers, assassinating human rights activists, spying on their opponents. So Gustavo Petro is very much up against a lot of obstacles, and it's going to be very hard for him to govern. And then, of course, there is the fact that the U.S. government is not so subtly threatening Petro saying that 40 years ago, we would have overthrown his government. We would have done everything we can to prevent him from being president. We would have done everything we can to sabotage him. That's what Biden's top Latin America advisor, one Sebastian Gonzalez said to the Colombian media, that was clearly a threat to Petro. So certainly I was at first very cautious of Petro. Of course, he's only been in power for a week. We'll see how he governs, but he certainly has a lot of obstacles There's certainly going to be a lot of threats against him, not only from the brutally violent death squads and drug cartels and very rich multimillionaire Colombian oligarchy, but also from the U.S. government itself.